welcome to That's What She Pled with attorneys Christina Goldberg and Julie Lurson from Lurson Goldberg LLC, law powered by women. It's time to shake up the old standards of law and of business. Join these two witty, intelligent, and sassy female business owners who are taking their industry by storm, challenging stereotypes, and shattering ceilings. These two are on a mission to educate, empower, and support not only their own clients, but other powerhouse female entrepreneurs. Come for a laugh and stay for the vibe as Julie and Christina hold nothing back and share the truth of what it is to be female attorneys and business owners through discussion of current events, original stories, and inspiring guests. Now, on to the show. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is Christina, and I am here with Julie. We are, that's what she pled over here at Larson Goldberg. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We've got some Tuesday. fun up our sleeve, we think. We're going to well, take We a try. Little... Yeah. We'll try. We'll see. I think exactly. it'll be fun. I've got some post nasal going on, so my voice could be fun to well, listen to. You sound we'll okay. See. Okay, good. So, anyway, yeah. we're going to talk personal injury, which, of course, we talk about a lot, but we're going to try to weave in some pop culture to maybe make it a little bit more interesting. Probably some of the things we're going to talk about people are familiar with, and we'll sprinkle in some of our expert insights and you'll be all the smarter at the end of today's episode. Right? A wealth of knowledge, maybe some real life. You'll be, you'll be ready examples. for your next cocktail party. <laughs> there you Did go. Did you know? <clears throat> so uh, I think it was our third episode. We talked a lot about the infamous hot coffee case involving McDonald's and little old Stella Lieback. So that's good stuff. And you should go listen to episode three if you haven't already. You really should. And you should share that with people. The number of people I still have that conversation with. I know. Me. Still. I know. But there's no reason the way media works, there's no reason that people would, most people would understand the specific facts. It's just a headline that gets 30 seconds on the mm-hmm. nightly news and people walk away thinking those damn trial lawyers, they're so greedy pursuing frivolous lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Those juries that just run with things and end up paying extravagant, extravagant amounts of money for something that was her fault. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll step down from the soapbox. <laughs> I'm stepping off my soapbox. We're still very angry at the legislature right now. So it is what mm-hmm. it is, but yeah. Okay. Let's see. Car accidents. We did just some fun kind of pop culture research. I mean, I, Julie did some fun pop culture research and here I am trying to plug in some extras. Michael Phelps in 2009 was involved in a car accident and really interesting facts. Ultimately, he was originally ticketed. I believe he's originally ticketed. And I think he was actually sued, you know. Correct. Yeah, he was a recognizable pop culture figure and he was going to get sued anyway. I mean, really, where there's money, there's lawsuits. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So he allegedly crashed into a woman. However, ultimately, after investigations camera dash cam all of that everybody realized no she ran a red light and yes his vehicle crashed into hers but she ran a red light 
one of the more interesting parts about that to me was obviously first and foremost investigations make all of the all of the difference and so when when julie and i when our office brings a a case and the first thing we do is we look at the intersection we figure out if there are traffic cams there and there's a difference between an intersection that has a monitoring camera versus an intersection that has a recorded video camera and those are few and far between actually so yes you can see the red light runner cameras but those aren't going to help us nope Um, And there may be cameras on adjacent businesses as well, just security cameras that happen to catch incidentally in the background what's going on on the roadways. Exactly. So there are definitely things that need to be run down and they need to be run down quickly because frequently, as with security camera footage, it's only kept for a short amount of time and it gets recorded over. So that's that's certainly one takeaway from the Michael Phelps case. Not the most interesting one though, right, Christy? No, not not the most interesting one. Actually, what I found really interesting when I dug a little bit more into it was the issue of alcohol. So Michael Phelps actually told, offered to police that yes, about an hour and 15 minutes prior to this particular crash, he had kind of gulped a, a beer. Well, so let me let me just back up and preface this by saying don't drink and drive. Okay, bad. Don't do that. However, there are also circumstances, and especially with a man, I don't, I don't have his stats in front of me, but with a man his size, oh yeah, he's huge. With a man his size, drinking a beer an hour and fifteen minutes, assuming he's telling the truth, one beer an hour and fifteen minutes before a crash, he was not under the influence. So ultimately, standards for what what is considered under the influence, correct? As well as you can you can sort of through circumstantial observation reach the conclusion that yes, somebody was intoxicated, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was kind of the bigger sign was they didn't even administer field sobriety tests because he wasn't exhibiting any signs of intoxication. So these are the, these are the important things and they, they have to have a reason. They can't just administer tests for no reason, just to, they can't just ask you to, to blow just because they feel like it, it does, it doesn't work that way. That part of it was very, very interesting to me. And sort of as a, as a comparison and and contrast, I actually have a case at the moment. It's, it's a very unfortunate death case, but there are, there are accusations that the deceased was under the influence and, and I won't even specify gender, put themselves into a situation where they were hit by the vehicle by their own fault. Turns out that one's medical history can actually show false positives or whatever, false negatives, depending on how one is able to metabolize alcohol based on liver function, et cetera. And so understanding that a number may be somewhere on a scale doesn't also necessarily mean that there was any, any actual right any actual impact of the alcohol in the system so very very interesting tragic but very very interesting in the the comparison and the contrast to that so again don't drink and drive but um and especially with michael phelps i think he has a history of maybe duis that he's struggled with over the years he's i think known to smoke some weed in his some weed and then i think in 2014 he was he got a dui or something so he has a history of that but he was also up front with the with the officer and said yeah i drank a beer but drinking a beer an hour before crash for especially for a man that size i mean it just didn't anyway right right anyway so i just thought that was super super interesting and worth worth bringing up 
So I guess a cousin of your car accident would be a trucking accident. And I have, we have a couple of situations. One, um, who remembers the Miami sound machine, Gloria Estefan? I do. I mean, I, actually, I don't remember I, it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and actually Laura Howell and I recently went and saw a musical sort of a, I think a Broadway show all about the story of Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine. But anyway, in 1990, at which point she was a very successful artist along with her, the rest of her band and her family, they were on a tour bus when they got rear-ended by a tractor trailer, i.e. a big truck. And in the course of that, she broke her neck. Um, I think her son and husband also suffered injuries. She was, um, she had to have big major surgery. She had to stop touring for something like a year while she convalesced. She did make it back. It's an amazing, you know, success story. Tractor trailers, big trucks, they can be very dangerous and they are actually quite regulated, thankfully, um, both at the federal level and then at the state level. There's all kinds of rules and regulations setting minimum standards about all kinds of things, safety equipment, keeping requirements, inspections, rules that govern how long drivers can drive and so on and so forth. I'm not entirely sure in her situation how much of that was a factor, but this other case that people are probably familiar with, much more recent, involving the comedian Tracy Morgan, who similarly I was writing, I think it might have been actually in a big limousine um, after show with some other folks along with him and a Walmart truck caused an accident with them. He was very seriously injured. One of the people died. I think there was lots of consequences and, and real personal injuries that were suffered. As it turned out, the driver of that Walmart truck had been driving for something, I want to say over 24 hours, mm -hmm. um, and he fell asleep. Shocking. Anyway, those are exactly the sorts of things like, you know, how long can a driver drive? How much rest time is required and so on and so forth that these federal, the motor carrier, the federal motor carrier safety act actually addresses Florida, like many States has its own sort of mini version of that, that points to these federal regulations that will govern trucking that goes on just within the state. Uh, the federal law governs interstate. So moving from, you know, Florida to Georgia and so on and so forth. In any case, interestingly, the Florida legislature, which is on quite a roll this session, it has been, it is looking at changing the requirements um, with respect to um, what trucks have to do in terms of retrofitting their vehicles to update them with newer safety technology and equipment. And a big proponent of that legislation, I guess, behind the scenes is the Penske truck leasing company, hoping to get them to say, yeah, no. Um, we're going to stick with whatever the standards were at the time that that truck was manufactured or sold. And don't worry about any changes in, in technology that would make your truck safer. You don't have to do anything about it. So that would, generally speaking, is not, in my view, in the public's best interest because trucks are big and they cause a lot of damage when they're in accidents. And as both the Gloria Estefan and Tracy Morgan cases sadly illustrate. So, mm -hmm. well, and largely we all know that if the truck doesn't make its delivery, 
the the store or the the, mm-hmm. the corporation doesn't make its money. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are, you know, on those cases, especially you're looking at a lot of like logs are required, time logs and timestamps and such, but they're all penned. I mean, literally a, a log that a driver can fill out. So you're sort of trusting to a certain extent that the driver is being honest. I mean, you can compare, you know, GPS, how long would it take to get from here to here? But in this case, how that driver got away with driving for over 24 hours to begin with and that sort of log keeping and tracking, I don't, that's, that's pretty scary. And drowsy driving is typically is more dangerous drunk than drunk driving. Yeah. yeah I mean, there, mm-hmm. I know there, actually, we should look that up. I know that there have been studies done and I, I think what I have seen is that in for those studies that actually the drowsy driving ended up being more dangerous because a lot of times, a lot of times, and I've, I don't drink all that much and I certainly don't drink and drive, but a lot of times what I've heard is that when you're, if you're aware that you're drunk, if you're at a certain level of drunk, you're that much more alert, alert and, and seeming almost paranoid. If you're falling asleep, that's the opposite of alert. Who knows? But I think that the outcome of those is that drowsy driving is more, more dangerous than drunk. Gosh, with the post-nasal sinus pollen allergy, everything, probably just a good time to mention one more time. It's funny to me that literally every single week when we get a call from a potential new client or an inquiry about anything, one of the one of the, the oh, questions yeah. asked during that conversation almost every single time is, yeah, but I thought Florida is a no-fault state. Oh, my gosh. I, Let's clarify what that means. We need to stop doing that. So no-fault simply means a type of insurance coverage that is required on your car in Florida. It does not mean that it does not matter whose fault the crash was for purposes of liability coverage and, and collecting damages. Yep. There are different I, pots of insurance coverage, and some of them extend benefits without requiring that you establish that someone other than yourself was at fault. Correct. So that can apply to collision coverage, for example. If you're in an accident, your car gets banged up, you have, if you have elected for that that type of coverage, you have some benefits that will help you get your car repaired, even if you cause the accident or if the other person caused the accident. And it's the same with respect to this PIP coverage mm-hmm. that as is in mandatory no fault in Florida. Insurance state. Maybe we can refer to it as that rather than a no fault state. But it's funny because we'll get calls from people who were ticketed for a crash, but it's a no fault state. Oh, right. <laughs> Not that a ticket means you're at fault. And we tend to get involved in those. We like a challenge if it's a valid challenge. Some challenges, but right. yeah, worth right. just recapping and remembering that. Dog right, bite well, cases. Let's, yeah, let's switch gears. Yeah. Dog bites. Pro- I, I, I don't know if there's a famous dog bite case, but anybody who, who has ever turned on a TV knows about Dr. Phil. Dr. Dr. Phil had Phil a dog. McGraw. Dr. Phil it McGraw. Was- so wait, let me just tell you, it was a purebred Korean Jindo, which I had to look up. It looks a lot like a Husky to me, but, and apparently this particular dog, they, dog, they adopted from a shelter or something, but they are known for their hunting instincts. So anyway, sorry. Interesting. I saw Jindo and I didn't look at it. No, no, no. That's fascinating. It's, so his dog bit, I guess, um, his wife's 
friend came over and she was an esthetician or a she was actually also specialist. appeared on the Dr. Phil show. She was a oh, skincare okay. expert. All right. So family friend comes over <laughs> to their house. Dog bites her. Well, unfortunately, Dr. Phil was attempting to avoid negative press and, yes. and, and whatever. And he allegedly convinced this woman, don't go get medical treatment. Let me call a friend. I'll get an antibiotic prescription written for you. Take this. You'll be fine. Well, she was not fine. Mm -hmm. um, so ultimately that dog bite for lack of treatment, it became infected. It resulted in hearing loss and tremors into her, into her hands, which obviously affected her ability to do business as an esthetician. You need your hands and probably she, not to be tremoring. She needed IV antibiotics because this uh, dogs have dirty mouths. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, these puncture wounds get into the deeper tissues. And if they're not treated promptly and quickly, you know, it can get pretty bad. And I think hers definitely did. And by the way, Dr. Phil is not a medical doctor. Hence, he wasn't the one administering Right, writing he wasn't prescribing antibiotics. Anyway, anyway, he was so, hoping to duck all kinds of publicity. And by the way, this happened in Beverly Hills. It is Beverly Hills home. Just an interesting aside. There was some suggestion that by offering her an opportunity, this gal, an opportunity to vacation at their Hawaii home, you know, maybe they could all make nice, but did not turn out that way. It didn't work um, out so great. They ended up was, settling. Yeah. She sued him for $7 million. I don't. I would imagine they probably settled for something close to that, to be honest. So Florida has a dog bite law. Strict liability. Strict Except liability. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it's riddled oh. with carve-outs that sort of make it almost a joke in terms of the strict liability, not to mm -hmm. mention the practical mm -hmm. reality. Well, and the strict liability is limited to a bite, which right, right. we've got a knockover, not a right. <laughs> we've gotten enmeshed in that sort of litigation before and been able to help clients, but I can't use a dog bite strict liability statute to prove any sort of negligence when a no. dog is too rambunctious and, and yes, causes an injury, but too rambunctious. What's interesting about this is it the dog bite statute says, you know, the, the owner of any dog that bites any person is in it, it while whether on that property or in a public place is absolutely strictly liable for for the resultant damages from a bite. However, exactly. also very interesting is that if you if if it's on your premises in your home and you've got a dog, if you have a an bad easily dog? readable sign literally that says bad dog, you are protected. You are safe. Uh, that is all uh, you have unless, to do. Unless it involves a child under six or yes. you yourself as the owner somehow contributed in a negligent sort of way towards the the dog attack. Right. Oh, you and by the way, the said other, the German word for attack in the dog. The, the, <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> and your well-trained dog responded accordingly. Right. Um, <laughs> the other thing that is interesting is that to the extent that the dog bite victim was negligent somehow, that comparative fault <laughs> reduces the owner's strict liability. So strict liability, yes, but not so much. And then from a practical standpoint, if there is homeowner's insurance because the dog bite owner actually owns the home versus, or, or, or renter's insurance, so many times 
it excludes coverage for dog bites or mm-hmm. it, at a minimum excludes coverage for dog bites by breeds known to be vicious. Mm-hmm. So pit bulls or, or whatever. Although more and more, I mean, they have no reason to cover them. They used to offer sort of supplemental coverage, right? It'll be extra for us to cover Mm -hmm. the dog. Now the insurance policies that we come across, I mean, they exclude squirrels. They exclude any animal on any property doing anything for any reason owned by anyone. I mean, wild deer, they exclude every animal. I've seen that and it's fascinating. But what that means is, so you can be, and I've had just this travesty happen with a, a child attacked. Mm. You can be absolutely injured. You can be devastatingly injured and not be able to do a single thing about it because there's no insurance policy that'll pay for it. And then, you know, the, 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 and, right. the heart and soul of it is, yeah, but it's not fair. And I want to get a judgment against them. Great. A piece of paper is going to get you what? Their so, home is likely protected by our homestead laws. And so then what are you, you're right. left to hope that they have a lot of money sitting in a bank account. Right. Unless these people are independently wealthy. Right. And I, that's nine times out of 10, that's not the case. So they're just notoriously difficult cases to handle. And it's, it's awful to kind of, to talk to people who really have been severely injured and to tell them. Yeah. I don't think there's anything I can do for you. Yeah. And let's um, just sort of as a, commentary. I I would say that the bad dog signage protection that's out there and the reason why children are protected, it's probably only because they, if they're under six, they aren't yet in theory reading as opposed to (laughs) we want to protect our, our most vulnerable. Am I being too cynical? No. Well, it's interesting because I think six is such a weird number anyway. As a child, children notoriously don't understand repercussions and consequences for the most part of their actions. Their prefrontal cortex is still developing. Right. So whereas they may think they're playing with a dog by tugging on its ear or shaking its tail. Right. That that's that's difficult to, to me, but yeah, I would, I would think maybe, but it's so funny. Cause if you have something that says beware of dog, you're not actually availing yourself of the, of the protections under the statute <laughs> because the statute oh, I, literally I, says it's in quotations, it's capital B bad capital D dog. Like that's what the sign has to include bad dog. <laughs> oh, is that right? I thought beware of dog was okay. I don't think Home Depot and Lowe's sell bad dog signs. I think they have beware of dog signs. I don't think so. It says, it literally says, um, if at the time any such injury the owner had displayed in a prominent place on his or her premises, a sign easily readable, including the words in quotations, bad dog. Okay. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the That's What She Pled podcast, and I am so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to lawpoweredbywomen.com or look in the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. I mean, the statute tells us, okay, here, protect yourself. So I guess- I don't think I'm going to test. No. (laughs) I'm going to stick my hand in there. No. I mean, me, I've got two two pound dogs. They're not going to do anything. So yeah, but speaking of, I did pull just fun facts because, you know, we're full of fun facts. I did pull the top five dog breeds with the most bite attacks in the United States. Number one is 
absolutely not shocking. And it's so, I have met, I know pit bulls that are just the sweetest dogs ever, but you couldn't pay me to allow a pit bull breed around me, a child, anyone in my home. You couldn't pay me to do it. And I understand that causes some anger in people, but the I facts don't lie. I impulse control. Absolutely. The facts innate. don't lie. Yeah. So pit bull um, in 2022 attacks 3,397 that were reported. I mean, and this right. is this is just reported attacks. We don't know. Deaths, 295. You know what? Nearly 300 deaths a year resulting from a, dog, a pit bull biting. I, that's enough for me to keep a pit bull away from my family. I don't care what the percentage is. But anyway, um, number two, again, not surprising, Rottweiler. 2022 attacks, 535 deaths, eight. Um, number three, German Shepherd. <laughs> not surprising, but sad. They're so sweet too, but they are, they're killer. They're trained. I mean, they're attack yeah. dogs. Attacks, 113 deaths, 15. Number four, I have no idea what this is, but it's a Presa Canario, P-R-E-S-A-C-A-N-A-R-I-O, Presa Canario. Attacks, 111 deaths, 18. Apparently there's a few out there. Right. And so I guess when they attack, they attack harder because the the death to attack rate is climbing it's higher. And then number five is wolf dog hybrids. 2022 attacks, 85 deaths, 19. They they're out for you. So just like I said, fun facts, but worth knowing. And I'm so sorry to pit bull owners. And I, I know some who are just the sweetest dogs ever. As do I, but I just don't trust Trust but verify, and I'm sorry. There's right. enough well, verification to me that, for yeah. me, that the calls we get don't lie. I mean, every dog bite case I've handled is, has been a pit bull or a pit bull mix, every single one. And I guess a corollary to this is we do get a fair number of calls in which somebody's dog has attacked somebody else's dog. Yes. And sadly, we have to tell them, I know your dog is part of your family. But in Florida, dogs are property. So the, there's sadly not much value other than maybe the cost, the vet cost or the burial cost or whatever. You know, it's it's a traumatic loss to you, but the law does not value that same way it values an attack on a person. Yep. So just be careful when you're out there with your dogs or you're out there yourself or mm -hmm. your kids. You know, we have leash laws for a reason, but even then. Even then. Yeah. If you can't control a dog on the leash anyway. Yeah. I, it's, I don't think people understand how difficult it is, Julie, to be us and to, <laughs> to be the messenger, to be in the position of talking to very validly distraught upset. people, upset people. I, I, it is the, it's the hardest part of our job to be dead honest with potential clients even existing clients who do not want to hear what we have to say. Nope. And there are a lot of clients who do not want to hear and what we have to say. And sometimes they blame us, which most of the time <laughs> it's, it's a human <laughs> reaction, but honestly. Yeah. Julie and I know. are both thinking about a call last week with, <laughs> with a client and I, yeah, we have a job to do and blowing smoke up people's skirts to, I don't know, make them temporarily feel better. That's just fraught with peril. Not help anybody. Good right. news or bad news doesn't get better. Um, right. So anyway, it's a lot easier to blame us for being the messenger than it is to actually take stock and sit back and go, okay, what is in my best interest, and actually believe 
that's what we're doing. I mean, I don't feel right taking a fee if I'm not treating my client right. So that's anyway, soapbox. Okay, next. What do we got? Well, I mean, maybe product liability, just ever so briefly. This is not actually one of the things that we we handle. They're, they require just a level of different skills and that sort of thing that we we have trusted places will refer people. But I think the challenge in product liability cases, well, the the issue I I see a lot of times is is the capitalistic corporate profit motivation that drives corporate behavior. And so a very notorious, um, there's all kinds of product liability cases. The one I jumped on was the Ford Pinto cases from, I think it's the 1970s, Mm -hmm. Um, this little, little car that Ford built. And the way it was designed was that the gas tank was in a very vulnerable position and so if it was hit in a rear end collision at a, at a low speed, it could cause the gas tank to rupture and explode. And because it was a small car, really caused some devastating injuries and damages. And the sad reality was that, and this is sad because it's not an uncommon story, a relatively inexpensive modification, $10, I think in the case of the Pinto, would have avoided this exploding gas tank thing and therefore saved lives. And then I guess, you know, so maybe to harken back to the the McDonald's hot coffee case, I, I think it's not uncommon that corporations look at these scenarios and say, you know what, it would cost us $10 times however many of these vehicles were out there to fix, but we don't think we're going to face too many lawsuits. And so those would actually cost us significantly less than what it would cost us to retrofit. And so we're just going to make a corporate decision to, you know, face, yeah, ignore it and, Mm -hmm. and deal with the occasional consequence. And, you know, people's lives are, are at that crossroads and it's, uh, but anyway, yeah. Another soapbox moment, moment. Um, Absolutely. Well, and it's the it's the same thing with with insurance. When I was doing defense work, um, uh-huh. I sat in on really horrifying meetings with upper level, you know, management with the with the insurance carriers, where they, they made calculated. an intentional and calculated decision to, for instance, not pay for certain things, knowing that they should, but also knowing that if they didn't the percentage of lawsuits or claims that they would have would actually be less than them paying across the board where they know they should. I think it was in that, honestly, it was in that moment. Like I, I want to sleep at night and I don't believe in that. I don't, I'm not, people buy insurance and and insurance should do as it knows it should do. And this is, this is exactly, an, I, God, this is why this whole, terrible. this is why we have a job. thing is so infuriating. Yeah. Cause and this is why we have a job. Talk. Yeah. But this is, these are the discussions that they have because it's cost, you know, it, it's profit over, over protection. So, Hey, listen, insurance companies, if you think they're your friend, you're nuts. They're not, they're in the, in the business to, to make Take your money hands. and not pay it out. So yeah. Anyway, <sighs> gosh, we're All so right, well, boxing a lot. Let's do one more fun one. <laughs> yes. A very recent one. Mm-hmm. It involves skiing. 
very nice places in Colorado. I don't, where did this, it wasn't Park City. It was in Park. Deer Valley. Deer Valley. Okay. Yeah. I was just there last year. Aww. It's beautiful. Oh. Most, most of those places are pretty lovely in the wintertime, especially coming from Florida where we don't have too many bumps, let alone mountains. I know. But uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, the actress, and gosh, she has a whole line of things she does, and an optometrist were skiing. It was 2016, and they collided. And therein began- Can I just point out, sorry, Lana, or two, 2016, and they just tried this in 2023. Just- Yeah, seven years so that later. It, this is how it goes. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. You're right. The optometrist claimed, I think, head injuries and some significant consequences. And he was blaming that, blaming Gwyneth that she ran into him. She says, no, 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 no. It's the other way around. He collided with me. Obviously, they didn't get a resolution short of a lawsuit. I think at the outset, he was seeking a lot, a lot of money. Ultimately, he apparently was only suing for $300,000, which, I mean, in the scheme of things, probably... Seems like a lot, but, you know, I guess could have been a lot more. She countersued him. She, though, was only seeking a dollar. So it was a principle <laughs> that she was seeking. And the case went to trial all the way. She testified. It was nightly news. Experts. Yeah. Experts. Reconstructionists. How this must have happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And... The jury believed Gwyneth. And so they awarded her the dollar and he walked away with nothing. And now, as I understand it, she is seeking under Utah law, um, which obviously we're not Utah lawyers, but she's seeking to have him pay her attorney's fees. There's some sort of allowance for that under Utah law, apparently. I guess the judge is the one that makes the decision and he, it turns on whether or not this original claim by the optometrist was meritless, not in good faith. And if that turns out to be the case, then I guess he can be stuck with having to pay mm-hmm. um, her attorneys <laughs> for all the time and work they put in defending and prosecuting her okay. counterclaim. So we don't have that here. There are tools by which mm-hmm. we can attempt to get our attorney's fees paid, which is as an aside, there are, <laughs> There are a lot of attorneys who tout their verdicts and who advertise. We've we've gotten verdicts totaling $18 billion in our career. So when you sue somebody, if there's not an insurance policy that's going to pay for it, or if they're not Gwyneth Paltrow and independently wealthy, right. when you sue somebody, your judgment defaults back to the policy limit. So you can go get a judgment for a million dollars on a $10,000 liability policy. And guess what's going to happen after the verdict is entered, it is going to be reduced and the insurance company is going to pay you $10,000 and say, thank you. So oh, you can getting- try to execute on that judgment. I mean, you have a 20, 20 years. You can, you can, but you may be looking at having the sheriff knock on someone's door and grabbing their Keurig or their. Right. I don't know. You can't bleed a stone. So you have a piece of paper that you can try to collect on. But what happens is that the attorney, if if playing the game right, has filed a certain legal document that allows the attorney to get his fees paid. So 
you as a plaintiff go through all of this, go through a trial, get your minimal policy limits and a piece of paper and a, and a handshake, good job, and your attorney gets hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in attorney's fees. We're very aware of this. We don't try cases unnecessarily. And it's there. there's a reason because we may walk away happy as, as can be and our clients, not at all. Right. So just worth, worth thinking about, you know, when you, when you hear attorneys talk about, here's our verdicts. Well, okay. What's been collected. Our obligation is to represent our clients as zealously within the bounds of the law and to look out for their best interest. So, you know, we're putting forth the best case we possibly can externally, internally, though, that is between, you know, the attorney and the client. We're we're making sure they understand the good aspects of their case as well as the warts of their case and helping them assess the risks so that they can make appropriate decisions and that sort of thing. That's part of our job, too, which I guess harkens back to the point we were making a few minutes ago about sometimes we're delivering bad news and bad news. Yeah. Clients don't want to hear that and they no. don't appreciate it and they get angry. Not Some infrequently. can see it as weakness. With us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can see it as a weakness or an unwillingness to fight. That's no. And I think one of one of our strengths, maybe as law powered by women, I think I think we are very strong with looking at situations and saying, okay, let's if we settle today for X amount, what are we going to have to go to trial for and win to put the exact same dollar amount in your pocket as you would get right now? 18 months from now. now. Right. What would we have to do and how would we have to accomplish that? And is that possible within the policy limits that exist? Those are the sorts of things and calculations and we don't take it lightly. And so when we make recommendations to our clients, it is never, ever in what is in our best interests, ever. It is in what is in the client's best interest, what we're going to expose the client to. We may very well, by going to trial, by a client forcing us to go to trial, we may very well end up exposing that client to having mm-hmm. to pay the other mm-hmm. side's attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. So we have this job to do. We know what we're doing. It's just not It's not fun to tell people who then look at us and accuse us of being weak-minded or or unwilling to fight. And that's not that's not the case. There's a time to fight. There's also a time to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hardest part. <sighs> so that's mm-hmm. pop culture with a little, <laughs> a little bit of our soapbox. Yeah. Next and we'll day. have Neil and Laura in yep. upcoming episodes, our elder law estate planning attorney, Neil and uh, Laura, our family law family attorney. Law. We're going to have them come on. We'll just have some chats with them. We want everybody to get Invoke to know them some too. more They're pop phenomenal. culture yeah. examples and tie that in with some insights about Florida or our experience. So we look forward to it. Absolutely. Well, that's that guys. Everybody have a great couple of weeks. We'll, we'll have another episode up in a couple of weeks. Uh, We are Julie and Christy. We are law powered by women. You can find us online. You can, uh, you can find social media, social media by women.com people, movie theaters. Right. You never know when we're going to pop up. All right, everybody. Have a great couple of weeks. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to That's What She Pled podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Larson Goldberg Lawyers. The content has been made available for general informational and educational purposes only and may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. The content is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice from your individual attorney and the information provided does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice.